Blanca Garcia. She focuses on mothers. She's a dietitian by trade, by education, but she focuses on, like I said, on moms. All too often, the moms are neglected, especially after a newborn. You know, the focus is on the child and you know how is the mother recovering. She currently lives in the Netherlands, but she's from Los Angeles, and she shares a story about how she had her firstborn in Los Angeles, and she was sent home the day after, like we all are here in the States, and, um, you know, she shouldn't have been. Her blood pressure was improper. She monitored herself. She later had to get admitted again, uh, but just nutrition, uh, dealing with the mothers. And her second child there in the Netherlands, you'll be shocked as to how and what they do with new mothers. Uh, I don't want to tell you now. Just listen, and you'll you'll act. You you will be shocked, shocked as to what uh, Netherlands does. It's absolutely amazing. We should do it here in the U.S. If we can't make it uh, public part of the you know of the insurance, we should privatize it. Whatever it takes. But this is absolutely unnecessary. But focusing on mothers, especially with nutrition, developing patterns, is her focus. Uh, Blanca Garcia, absolute pleasure. Enjoy the conversation. I know you will. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension. I knew something had to change. Discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. I, uh, I enjoyed learning about you, uh, Blanca. Oh, okay. So, do we as a society? Let's just talk about you know, in here in the U.S. Do we pay enough attention to mothers? I don't think so. I don't why? think so. And 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 that that is the reason why. I decided to kind of focus on moms. I have been a dietitian since 2013, and um, I had a variety of clients. And my main uh, clientele were children. Actually, um, hmm. I used to work in the I still work in the Head Start uh, programs, the early Head Start programs, um, which are like preschools. And so that's where I kind of got an idea or a sense that moms were not really taken into consideration as much or they were always left um i want to say like last you know um mm. and so i that's where i started kind of kind of got the idea that maybe i can focus on moms instead <laughs> um but yeah i don't think that the u.s takes moms take moms um as seriously as they should 
in so many it's ways. It's interesting. So uh, well, let's get to the ways in the moment, but it, is it, is it, uh, is it just neglect? Is it sexism? Is it, uh, you know, the focus is on the child now and the mother's, you know, uh, second, is it, why, why do you think it is? I think it's all of it, but I think it's also, um, society has kind of, um, kind of pushed us aside. You hmm. know, um, people don't realize that, um, women are just not women. We, we do a lot. Um, Uh, You know, we we, not only do we take care of our families, the household, the husbands, the children, Mm. um, everything that needs to get taken care of. And then the last person is a mom. And so I think it's just society. We've just gotten accustomed to just it not really. Well, she can handle it. She can handle it and she can handle it. And it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. So, yeah, I just think it's all of it. The sexism, it's the the. Yeah, that the children are, I mean, the children are important. <laughs> you know, they they depend right. on, on the mother. Um, but then if the mother isn't around, then who's going to take care of the child? You know, if the mother isn't healthy, who's going to take right. care of that child? And of course, pa- the fathers can and, and other people can, but there's nothing like the mom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I know when there's a newborn, you know, everybody's very excited. They come visit the newborn, they hold the baby. And, you know, maybe there's one question, well, how's mom? Okay, let's go back to the baby now, you know, uh, and it's not a lot of focus there. How was delivery? I know, especially, I know mothers who had had emergency cesarean section. I mean, that's serious operation that occurred there and they need days to recover, but they're expected to kind of, you know, the baby's fine. You must be fine. It's it's something we really (laughs) need to change their outlook on, right? Yes, yes, yes. And let me tell you, actually, um, I have two children and one was born in the U.S. and the other one was born here in the Netherlands because I live in the Netherlands. Um, As of two years ago, uh, I actually moved here and then two weeks later, the pandemic shut everything down. So, (laughs) yeah, so it was actually a a very interesting um, experience, I want to say, because with my... um, with my first child, I was basically sent home, and that was that. That was the end of that. In Los Angeles. Home. In Los Angeles, yes. In Los Angeles, I was sent home uh, after the day after I gave birth. Um, I, I had a, a, a regular a regular um, birth, um, but um, something was wrong. And I and I and because I'm a health professional, I have experience. I've worked in in the hospital to know that something was wrong, so I kept track of of my blood pressure. And a week later, I got readmitted to the hospital. Wow. And so I was hospitalized for the weekend, and my child was with me, my infant was with me, my husband was there too. Um, and then fast forward, you know, two years later, I had another baby, and my, my second baby, I had him in the Netherlands. And it was strange because I was sent home the next day, but then, guess what? <laughs> guess what? I, I know this is really strange for, for the Americans. We get what's called a kramzor, and a kramzor comes and, and visits you every day for a week. And wow. she comes from 8 in the morning until about 5 p.m., and she takes care of everything. She's a nurse. She makes sure that I was in bed, that I took naps. She measured me, measured my blood pressure. She checked me every single day. She measured my baby. She made sure she gave me um, advice hmm. on breastfeeding. Um, we had We got a list of things that we needed to buy. My husband didn't buy them all, so she sent them out to go buy them. Um, and, and she also sent out my husband with my toddler so I can have some quiet time. So, mm. I mean, I go from being sent home and my husband was my kramzor the first time around. Wow. And then the second time around, I have a person, a professional person, come to my house for a week and completely take care of me. 
And so after this experience, I really, truly started to see, you know, at least in the, in the U.S., how we are not uh, as important. I feel we're not as important as we should, mm. especially in the healthcare system. Wow. I want to go back to that in a moment. So when you were in Los Angeles, you felt that you shouldn't have stayed there. You shouldn't have been sent home after a day. You felt you should have, you needed more care. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I should have gone home. I actually, what I developed was postpartum preeclampsia, which is actually mm. rare. Um, usually most women have preeclampsia um, before they give birth and it resolves after mm. they give birth. Um, but I had the opposite. I had it after I gave birth. And not every person can, can identify it. And if you um, don't get treated, you can have a stroke and you can die. So wow. those are the things that, that uh, you know, that's what happens. And so, um, yeah, I don't think I should have been sent home. I think I should have, I should have been, uh, taken, a, a, a care of a little bit more. I remember when we had our first and it was the next day and I remember they were sending us home and all I was thinking was, are these people crazy sending us home with this little baby? I don't know what to do with this thing. So I was just the, the mental, you know, the mental part of it. And of course, my wife is there and she's just delivered. I mean, what, what she went through and what she, where she is. So I guess just the, not only the physical, but the mental, I said, this is our firstborn. Uh, what, you know, I'm driving like 20 or 30 miles on the highway an hour where I shouldn't be and calling everybody crazy out of the window. I mean, I, I, don't, I, I was just, I don't know what to, you know, <laughs> don't know what to do. And, and can you imagine if we had somebody show up at the house every day afterwards? I mean, that would be incredible. What, yeah. what an incredible idea. Why don't we do that in the U.S.? Money, it always understand. comes out of money. I don't know. I don't understand because, you know, I, I, I thought it was the greatest thing for us as a family. You know, the funny wow. thing is, is normally um, pre-COVID, um, the clamsorf would come and she was in charge of making the coffee and having the cookies ready for the guests that would come and visit the wow. mom and the, and the baby. And, 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 you know, sometimes actually our clamsorf was nice enough and she, she made us uh, lunch and dinner a few times, <laughs> once or twice. But my husband, my, my husband finds it really strange. So he's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. I'll, I'll make something. But she was really, really good. She really took care of me. She would tell me, you, why, why are you in the couch? Go to your room, go to sleep. <laughs> so I was, in, I was being sent to go to sleep, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, now that I, in hindsight, I, I don't even know how my husband and I managed with our first child. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah, you just don't know. You lose sleep. Now, I assume that the clamsor is paid by the state. Yes, yes. It's well, it's paid by everyone pays taxes here and and uh, right. and high taxes, and so that pays yes. for that service. And so, um, as far as I know, if a mother has multiple babies, so like twins or triplets, then they get an extension, um, wow. more than a week. But um, but yeah, it's 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 paid by the government, and everybody gets one. Do you tip him or her? No, <laughs> no, but you yeah. know, we, we, I, I felt weird <laughs> not tipping or doing something like that. So my, my husband uh, arranged for a nice little gift basket so she could go home with one. Um, just know I said, thank you. We were so grateful because we know what it was like to be on our own. And like you said, when you were going home with your baby in your car, you're just extremely stressed. Like, okay, I'm, I'm yes. going home with this, this fragile little being and everyone's in the way. 
It's terrifying. It is yep. terrifying. And she stayed, you, I assume it was a woman. She stayed for how long again? A week. So like a, it was like wow. a Monday through Friday. I'm not quite sure because it's all a little bit blurry. But, <laughs> but I think it was wow. a, a, I gave birth. And yeah, she came like a Monday through Friday or something like that. But um, And she came 8 in the morning or 8 or 8.30 until 5 o'clock, 4.30, 5 o'clock. You know, I just had a radical idea. I mean, how about uh, Clemsor as a service where, uh, you know, here in the U.S., we just offer this kind of service privately if the insurance companies aren't going to do it. Maybe they get subsidized and to people who need it. I mean, I've never heard of such a thing. It sounds wonderful. Yeah, actually, that's a really good idea. <laughs> we should mount one together. <laughs> yes, yes, that's very interesting. And um, did you know she was coming? Yes, yes. Um, you know, a few years ago, I had planned to move to the Netherlands. Um, I wanted to pay off my student loans, which is, you know, another issue mm, in our country. Yes, so yes. I managed to pay off all my student loans and uh, we moved to the Netherlands. And in that process, I met a few of my husband's friends and, and I would ask them like, so, so like, what is this Kramsorg? I don't understand. Like, I, I, I couldn't wrap my mind around the idea. And they're like, oh, I don't know. They they would tell me, I don't know what I would do without her. Like, wow. one of them, or two or three, I heard um, that they cried when she left. <laughs> you know, wow. because you become so dependent on this person because you're just so vulnerable as a woman, and right. and you can finally, you know, um, rest, and you don't feel that guilt that oh, I have to I have to be up and be with my baby. Um, so yeah, yeah, I I couldn't wrap my my mind around the idea, but. Um, by the time that I got here and I had my baby, I knew she was coming, and I was actually really excited because I, I, wow. I, it was it was like a culture shock to me, you know. <laughs> but Amazing I agree with you that that privately, if somebody could come up with the idea of having a service where you can pay someone to come to your home for a week and just take care of you, I mean, she didn't just take care of me; she took care of my of of my son. She weighed him right. every day, and um, really. I'm sure, I don't know if you remember, but um, the first week after you have your baby, you have to go back a few days later to see if they lost any weight. Um, oh, like a certain yeah. percentage, I believe like a 7%. Yeah. If they lose more than 7%, then they have to um, either start giving them more formula or, or trying to figure mm. out why they're losing weight. Well, she did all of that in the house. She came with a scale and wow. she, she weighed him. And, um, and, and he did indeed lose the 7%. And so we were kind of like brainstorming and, and pumping um, some breast milk and giving him some formula and trying to figure out, you know, how to help him gain that weight. So that was really helpful. I mean, it really uh, sets your mind at, at ease. Very interesting. So you, you started as a dietitian with, you said Head Start with her, with children. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I started with children. <laughs> And so you move to to mothers now because you feel there's more of a need. Yeah, well, when I was working with the children, I realized that what was happening was as I was talking, you know, I work with the children, but really the person I'm talking to is the mom. I'm not talking with the child because the age range was between uh, newborn and five years old. I and see. so um, the person I was having the conversations with was with the mom. And over mm. the years, you know, I just had my first baby at, in 2018. So the first few years, I want to say I was like a little bit, I, I, knew, I had like the theory of being a dietitian and giving nutrition advice, but I didn't know what it was like to be a parent. And so I was giving the generic mm. advice that I give 
that we are taught. Uh, but it wasn't until I became a mom that I really truly understood what was going on, you know, in the dynamic of a household. Um, and when I would talk to these moms I, I, uh, and they would tell me these stories, it's like, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, I understand that. I, I know why your child is picky and I know why your child is, I know what's going on. Um, so I started to really truly understand what is going on in, in a mom's life and, you know, in, in, in the dynamic of a family and why things happen the way that they do. So when I came here to the Netherlands, that's when I started uh, deciding to, okay, am I, am I, who am I going to focus on? Because I'm not working. I, actually, I was coming to the Netherlands and I wasn't going to be working. I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. And mm. then the pandemic happened and remote work opportunities started opening up. So I, uh, I started working back in Head Start um, just to help out. And then eventually I, I ended up uh, kind of getting creative and so that's how I started working with moms and, and, and started to do things for moms. Very interesting. And when you were, um, you were taught certain things as a dietitian, and when you use those, you know, those, those theories, those ideas, those lessons in implementation in real life with the mothers, did you find some contradiction? Did you find some things that I, I want, I learned this, but I think this is a better way of doing it. Yes. Yes, I definitely, I definitely did. Um, specifically with behavior issues, um, hmm. my the the majority of the ch the the children that I helped were children who were either underweight or overweight. Um, hmm. And when the conversation would start, it was always with, "I'm always fighting with my child at the dinner type at the dinner table." Um, you know, he's not eating. He just wants chicken nuggets. He just wants French fries. I'm having to um, keep the box, the chicken nugget box, and then make my own chicken nuggets and put it in the McDonald's box so I can wow. give it to my child so they could think that it's, you know, the, the real chicken nuggets, but they're healthier versions. And so I think that we were taught an idea of, you know, well, you have to be a certain way with children, but it doesn't work that way every single time um, because hmm. the child changes over time. And so you have to change your techniques. You know, um, our main, I guess you could say the main thing I would say is, oh, you know, um, if your child is a picky eater, you have to be more, more, um, how do you say more, uh, you have to be more, we have to have more discipline with them. Mm. Um, mm. but it doesn't always work like that. I mean, yes, you have to have certain things need to be disciplined. For example, you must provide breakfast, lunch, and dinner at the same times. That is uh -huh. a must, um, because that creates a pattern for a child, right? Mm. But when they're sitting at the table, their job is to choose what they want to eat or if they even want to eat at all. Um, mm. And so that is that is kind of what I'm practicing right now um, is, is kind of helping moms figure out how to figure out where the child is at the moment. Um, but I used to do this blanket advice where, you know, uh, you have to be very disciplined with your child. And it's and if your child doesn't eat, um, then they can go to bed without food. <laughs> You know, mm. and, and yes and no, but it's really hard because if you have other family members in the home, let's say you have grandma and you say no to your child and your child, I'm sorry, not, not to say no, but like if you say, you tell your child, okay, you didn't eat what you, what you were supposed to eat. So I'm not going to cook anything else. You can go to bed. You know, that might work if it's just you and your husband or you're by yourself. But if you have grandma and grandma comes over and, and, and gives them candy or fruit or mm. yogurt or something else with that nice behavior of grandma she just took away your authority 
That's and right. so um, it's really hard to implement something like that because the dynamic of families are very different. And so um, that hmm. advice doesn't always fit. And so after I had children, I, I was able to realize that I have to really look at the dynamics of the family. Who lives in the house? Who's on board? Who's not on board? Um, if the dad doesn't want uh, uh, things to go a certain way and the mom wants things to go a certain way, it's, it's not going to happen. The child is going to mm -hmm. figure out that there is a battle going on with, between the parents and he's going to know how to use that to his advantage. Right. And, so, and it's not a malicious thing from a child. It's just the way that they, they figure things out. I mean, that's how they, that's how they learn. And so I don't do blanket advice anymore. I, I really dive deep into, okay, what's going on at home? Who's there? You know, who, who, who's the one that, that spoils and what do they do? <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, so things, I think, uh, things definitely have changed after I had children. Um, the dynamics I think are very important in a family. Yeah. I knew when my parents were fighting and I would play off them and get, try to get what I want and take a side of who was on my side. Yeah. That's, we all just kind of learned that. So in the U S we have a serious, serious issue with obesity and, and overweight. We're up to about 75% now in those classes. And, uh, does it start with the youth? Does it start with the five and under? Yes. Yes. Because you, um, that's where you, you pick up your habits. Um, mm. I always tell people this story and <laughs> it's a little bit embarrassing, but it's the truth. Um, when I was in Los Angeles and I used to go to my different jobs as a consultant, I used to um, I used to know exactly where each McDonald was and I would drive around it because I, I enjoyed McDonald's growing up. And so as an adult, um, I needed to control that that desire to want to eat it. And so the only way I could do it was to just drive around it. So I wouldn't wow. drive into the driveway. Um, Hmm. So, you know, it starts from a young age. The habits that you learn when you're a child, they stay with you. And if you don't have that discipline to not consume the foods that maybe you're not supposed to be consuming, then is when you continue to go into that, that path where you, you continue to do the, 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 the unhealthy habits over and over and over. And then you start developing chronic conditions. And so... Um, that's why I, I, I really liked working with children um, because I thought, well, maybe if I can prevent it from getting there, I mm. could actually make a difference. But then I realized that, yes, I prevent, you know, at the early age, but the person that the person that promotes everything, the person that provides the food, the person that makes the patterns is the mom. So if the mom doesn't know that something is unhealthy, if the mom doesn't know that it's important to have meal patterns, then everyone in the household is, is not going to be in a meal pattern. Everyone in the household is going to have unhealthy habits. So then I started to learn that the person that I need to teach to help and the next generation is the mom. Is the mom. Interesting. And it'll start there. Mm-hmm. There's so many, uh, I, I've always heard the complaint that, you know, healthy options are, are, uh, there's higher obstacles to get to them. Whereas, you know, high caloric, high fat food is all over the place. It's very inexpensive. Like you said, McDonald's everywhere. Um, you know, is that a real argument? And by the way, is that how it is there in the Netherlands? 
Well, to answer your first question, I don't think it's a valid argument. Um, I believe that fruits and vegetables are very accessible. Um, mm. I think the issue more is the time. Most people, let's say, who don't have the resources to, who say they don't have the resources to buy the fruits and vegetables, what they lack is more actually the, the resource of time. Because mm. most of the people who don't have the resources have to work two jobs or three jobs. Mm. And by the time that they get home, they're so tired. They don't want to go and stand another 30 minutes to cook a meal. They just want to right. drive through the drive through get all the food that everybody needs. Everybody eats in the car. They go home. They go through the, the bedtime routine and everyone's back to bed. And then the next day, wow. it's another early morning. Um, so I think it's not the, the, the resource uh, of, of income, but it's more the resource of time. People mm. don't realize that time is very valuable and if you don't have it it can affect your life um so i don't think that the fruits and vegetables really are um expensive um i just think that it's you know you need to learn how to buy so if you buy within season of course it's going to be much much less expensive um if you buy blueberries out of season for example they're going to be five dollars a container but if right. you buy them in season they're going to be 99 cents that's right so, you know, and, and that does, that's just a blueberry, you know, example, but you can actually mm. have that example across the board. Um, but like the other thing is, if you don't have the knowledge of what's in season and what's not in season, then you're going to think, oh, you know, that's really expensive. But are you buying the item that you should be buying for what's in season? So, for mm. example, if I know that something is in season, I'm going to cook around that food so I don't have to buy the most expensive item that's not in season. Um, so, yeah, so... Mm. Um, I, I think that, that that's really not a valid argument. Um, I think that the problem is the resource of time and, and, and the exhaustion that parents have when they have to work two jobs or three jobs. Um, I think that's because I, I, I did work with a lot of lower income families and they didn't have any issues with buying fruits or vegetables. Um, they had the resources to be able to buy them. Um, but the problem was, is that a lot of the times if they worked, they didn't have the time to cook it and then it mm. would go bad. And so then they're like, it's right. wasting money. Um, and the other question um, was, if it's the same here in the Netherlands, right? Well, it's actually very different here in the Netherlands. Um, I live in a smaller town. The city is a little bit different, but we actually have really small refrigerators. We have, you know, I, I don't know if you can visualize the, the college size refrigerators, those really small ones. That's what I have in my house. So I buy every two days every two or three days. So I buy for two, two dinners. Um, the typical breakfast here is, is bread and um, peanut butter and chocolate or like like a cup of Nutella or um, it's bread with cheese on top. Um, not that much warm uh, foods, not that many warm foods. And lunch is usually about the same. So like a cheese sandwich kind of thing. Um, so the dinner is a big deal. And I don't see it being an issue to, to be able to buy uh, fresh fruits and vegetables. We have markets. We have um, really good um, stores here. So it's, it's, not, it's not like I can say, like, oh, I can't, it's not attainable. So if I, go to the, if I go to the grocery store for two dinners, I think I spent maybe like 20 euros. So mm. I want to say like, I don't know, $18, $19, something like that. So it's not that expensive for, to feed four people um to for two dinners so that's not actually not that bad um no. and that's about as much as i could spend in, in la if i was gonna buy a meal for the for the family um i could spend about the same or maybe even less 
than what you buy at, at a McDonald's or at any other fast food restaurant. The only thing, though, is that the food that they serve is so high in salt and so high in fat that it's addictive. Yes. <laughs> so you crave it. You crave these things. And yes. that's the reason why I tell you that I used to have to drive around it because if I would see mm. that big golden M, I would be so tempted. And so right. I, I just learned to just avoid it. And that was my way of disciplining myself to to just not not go. And there's nothing wrong with going once in a while. But once you start, it's like, you start going more and more and more and more if you don't have control of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I have a lot of relatives in Italy, and they all have small refrigerators. And uh, Okay, so you, you know. know. Because, <laughs> yeah, I know. And so, yeah, they'd go to the market, and, of course, there's farms all around in small towns. And I remember I brought my friends there pre-pandemic, twenty maybe 16, and I remember my uncle got some eggs out of the cupboard, not out of the refrigerator. And my friend said, what do you, we can't eat those eggs. They're, they're, there's probably going to be chicks in them. I said, those were just laid just days ago. They're not months old like we have in the grocery store. They don't need to be refrigerated. You know, just the whole, in the, in the States, we buy big and we have big refrigerators. We keep stuff in. We go every week and we, yeah, it's just a very different, whereas there you're just kind of rotating and you eat what is fresh and what's, yes. uh, what's around at that time. It's a very different view. If we can get people to adopt that here um, and maybe offer some, you know, you say time is so critical, you know, some, some very good, healthy options that you can pick up reason, you know, in a drive-through, uh, you know, they start to see some trends of some salad places now and everything, but uh, that's got to shift. That's um, yeah. it's, it's got to shift because obesity is just horrible. And the pandemic, you know, we saw so many fatalities with comorbidity with people with, with that are obese. Yes. And, uh, yes. just, just horrible. And you know what? Um, I'm going to make two comments. <laughs> the first one about the Jeez. eggs. Um, that was the funniest <clears throat> thing that when I got here, I was like, I went to the grocery store and I thought, why aren't the eggs in the refrigerator at the grocery <laughs> right. store? They're on That's a shelf, right. on a regular shelf. And the right. first time I, <laughs> the first time I opened a, a, a carton of, of carton. eggs, my eggs had feathers on, on them. <laughs> That's how fresh they were. <laughs> yeah. Because they had, they had, I guess, like a little bit of dirt on them, and they like some feathers sure. got stuck on the, between the dirt. Right. And like, That's right. strange, because I've never yeah. seen my eggs with... But, I mean, I understand that, you know, it's yes. it's fresh. <laughs> it's wonderful. And the, and the other thing is that you're right, that something needs to shift, and... and you know, when I talk to, I, uh, so I told you that I work at, uh, at the foundation, at the Head Start. Um, and at this Head Start, I started working there again after I left because uh, everyone went remote, right? And so they needed somebody to, to help out. And well, I mean, if I could do it, why not? Everyone was remote anyway. And um, as I was helping parents out over the, the first year of the pandemic, so weird to say the first year of the pandemic. Right. Um, over the first year of the pandemic, I started to notice that a lot of the children started to gain weight mm. because I don't know. Um, I don't know if, if, if you know, but in Los Angeles, they closed all of the, um, the parks yeah. and they closed everything down. So people couldn't go out. And um, a lot of the children were gaining 10, 15 pounds in, in the span. And, you know, technically a child between, you know, uh, three, four, five years old, should only gain about five pounds per year. And they were gaining 10, 15 pounds from the lack of physical activity. Mm. 
And so um, that was one of the things. The other thing is, um, you know, we do have areas with healthy choices, but it's, and, and there are, you do see them, but it's changing the mindset of, of the population. You know, do you have to go to McDonald's? Is it, is it something? And I, and I, sorry, I'm sorry I use McDonald's because that's, that's the, that is the main thing I talk about, right. you know, with, right. with my parents, the parents or the moms that I talk to. Um, but it, it doesn't have to be that specific restaurant. It could be any, any fast food restaurant. Uh, even a Mexican uh, sit-down place, um, uh, they ask me, you know, uh, a lot of the moms ask me, is it okay if I give my child, if I go to like a Mexican restaurant and they eat food there? And I tell them, look, the restaurants, all the restaurants are in the business of making money off of you. So they're going to pack it with fat and salt and sugar as much as they can. And she's, you know, the mom will tell me, well, you know, it's because I pay very little and I get a lot more at a restaurant than if I was to buy it. And I go, yes, but all of those ingredients that you're paying for are of lower quality. Mm. They're of lower quality. Um, they are not as healthy. And even if it's like a burrito, you know, a burrito with beans, rice, and chicken, it's still cheese. cooked cheese. It's still cooked with a lot of fat, sometimes even yes. lard. <clears throat> and so... A lot of moms tell me, like, I, I didn't really realize it. I go, yeah, they're not in the business to keep you healthy. They're in the business to keep you coming back. That's, and so yes. the tastier it is, the more they give you, the more you're going to come back. That's right. Right? So, um, yeah, it's, it's shifting that mindset of, you know, let's just go back to basics. Let's, you know, I also get a lot of moms who ask me, like, are beans healthy? I'm like, of course, they're like the best thing you mm. can have because they yes. have carbs, they have proteins, Protein. and if you make them yourself, yeah. even better. <laughs> mm. Absolutely. Wonderful. So what can, uh, I want to say men, but non-moms, you know, what can we do to help mothers? That's a good question. <laughs> um, I think... What you can definitely, like, let's say uh, a fellow mom or like a, a husband or a partner um, or even any other family members is support the mom. Support the mm. mom in the decisions that she makes in the home, specifically if they're decisions that are good for the family. Um, time and time again, I get frustrated moms who tell me, um, you know, I, I'm trying to cook healthy and I'm trying so hard and I, I have salads and I try to do this, and but my husband insists that I buy a Coke or Coca-Cola or a soda, mm. um, insists that I buy specific things that are not healthy, insists that I have, you know, chips in the house. Um, and so it's really hard for me to implement anything if my husband is not on board. Um, mm. And I always tell them, I always tell them this, this anecdote that I, that I do at home. I go, look, I have this conversation with my husband years ago before we had kids. I told them, when we, get, when we eat, when we have dinner, if there is something on the plate that you don't like, you say, mmm, it's so tasty, and you don't say anything else. <laughs> because even if you don't like it, your reaction is being watched. Your children watch, your children will watch your reaction. And if you don't like it, your child will not like it. So <laughs> last, I want to say wow. a few weeks ago, I made a lasagna. And my husband hates carrots. Good thing my kids are too small to hear this. <laughs> my husband hates hmm. carrots. 
and uh, I was cutting up carrots and I, you know, I told them, I'm sorry, but carrots are good for vision and they're good for the kids, vitamins, minerals, fibers. I'm sorry. You're just going to have to eat it. And he's like, he comes over quietly. He's like, can you just cut them up really small? I would really appreciate it. <laughs> so I don't have to taste them that much. And I said, fine, I'll chop them up even smaller. But he knows like if there's something you don't like, you better learn to not make a facial expression and you eat it. And I'm sorry That's if you right. don't like it, but it's healthy for our child. And so he's, he's really cool though. He's very supportive. He really mm. just, he goes above and beyond, um, um, to, to support me in, in my, my ideas of, you know, being healthy for the kids and the rules that we have at the table. Um, but yeah, I think the support is really truly what's more important. Um, if there isn't support at home, there's a lot of frustration and there is a lot of sense of, you know, I'm doing all of this and nothing is, is happening. Nothing is changing. Um, mm. So I think that's what, what definitely would help. Yeah, that's uh, and it's not difficult to do, right? Um, yeah. Have a plan and, and work together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know how it was with your with your children when you when they were growing up. Um, but, you know, that there is a phase where they are just don't want anything they're just picking they're right just like, i don't want that i don't want this i don't want that and you just you get frustrated at some points <laughs> yeah. and you're like you know just do it just do what i tell you but it's not that's not the way to do it of course but you know right. in your mind you just like just eat it <laughs> um yeah in our case support... sorry mm -hmm. sorry you go no but when you have the support of the partner it's easier right yeah in our case one ate everything and the other ate nothing does that ever happen with the kids? Yes. <laughs> yes, that actually is happening to me right now. My my first child ate everything for the long time, for the longest me time, too. and right now she's not eating anything. And my uh, one year old is eating everything. He even reaches over and steals food. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's very common. You will have children who, well, I'm sure you know. You're, you're, yeah. You have one child that is one specific way, and then your next child is like completely the opposite. And you're like, right. but we both raised you in the exact same way. <laughs> same what happened? <laughs> and what happens when you, you know, I always, I learned this the hard way, but you have to really watch when you start introducing fruit and, you know, sugar to the child, because once they get the taste of that, then they're going to want more. Yes. Yes. So we have, we definitely have rules at home about that. Um, we don't buy a lot of uh, cookies and like uh, chips and things like that. We don't buy them a lot, but when we do buy them, um, we buy one thing at a time. So either we, we buy cookies or we buy chips um, or we buy candy, but not all of it is always available at home. I see. Um, so once it's done, it's done for a few days. And then when we, when my husband and I are craving some more, then we'll buy some. Um, but it, actually what, what we started doing this past week, because I bought these little uh, drinks that she really likes. They're these like yogurt, uh, strawberry drinks that she really likes. Um, my little girl. And what I started to do is she started to ask me for it like three, four, five times in the day. And I thought, no, wow. this is, this is crazy. I'm not going to give this to you three, four times in a day. Then you're not going to eat anything. So what I did is in a little calendar, we have a little calendar for her because she, she's starting to understand that she's going to school and she's going to dance classes and she wants to know when. And every day she asks me dance less today. And I go, no, not today. So I have a calendar for her and I told her she can have one drink per day. And so I, I drew oh. a little, I mean, with my, my weird drawings, <laughs> I, I drew a little cup with a little strawberry next to it and then a little bubble. Oh. And so if she gets her drink for the day, 
I check it off and then it's it. No more for the rest of the day. So um, it's been working really good. So mm. with, with that and thinking the week, she now she knows it's been about a week. Now she knows that she gets her drink and she sees a check and it's done. She doesn't get one till the next day. Um, but it's tough. It's so tough because she's yeah. the, the first two or three days with that spe- specific drink. Uh, I think she asked me like every hour. It was driving me crazy. I was like, no, mm. no. I said no. And I'm like, I told you already. No. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you have to, you, I definitely, um, we, we're very cautious, but we're, we don't restrict because if you do restrict, let's say you completely no candy, no chips, nothing, nothing, nothing. What happens is that when they do get a hold of it, they binge or they mm. hide. Um, and so that's the other reason why you don't want to go to that extreme. Right. You don't want them to to start hiding it from you, which has happened once or twice where I see that she grabs something and she's hiding it behind her back. And I tell her, hey, what's you know, what's behind your back? Nothing. Ah, okay, come on, let me see. And then it's chocolate or something. I said, You want it? Yeah. Okay, you can have it. You don't have to hide it. You can you can ask me and I'll give it to you, okay? And she's like, Okay. Mm. And then that's it. And it's it's diffused. I let her have it. It's fine. I just it, it's kind of like a way of not letting a child feel that they cannot have this. It makes them want right. it more. Um, mm. So it's just kind of like having that balance with them. Yeah, and actually kind of earning it. You know, they'll keep asking those. They always test their boundaries, right, and see where yes. they where they can kind of crack. And so once, oh, I asked seven times and I got yes. Now I'll try asking six. You know, I mean, they're very smart. The kids are very yeah. adaptive. They are so smart and they will play you against each other. Absolutely. Yeah. They're very good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we talk a lot about, uh, not a lot, but I always bring up discipline and and you've mentioned it more than once. I lost a lot of weight. People ask me how I always say discipline. So how do you, uh, how do you use discipline in your life? And, And more importantly, how do you instill discipline in these mothers that you're trying to, you know, um, uh, coach, Good question. So I think the first thing that I think is very important to be able to be disciplined is Mm. to create goals, something that you need to reach. Right. Um, And so I'll give you an example. When I'm coaching a mom, what is your goal, your biggest goal that you have? And um, let's say it's losing 20 pounds. Okay, that's your biggest goal. By when do you want to achieve it? Okay, by the end of the year. All right, so now we have your goal and a deadline. Now, that's the biggest. Now, let's make that really big goal into really small goals that you know you can achieve. So if Mm. you want to lose those 20 pounds in a year, how many pounds do you need to lose per month? So one, one and a half per month. Now, that is a lot more attainable than to say, I want to lose 20 pounds in a month, right? Mm. That's really difficult. Um, All right, or to just say, I want to lose 20 pounds. But you don't have a deadline, you don't have mm. smaller goals to break it down. And once you know your big goal, once you know your small goals, then you can create an action plan on how to get to those small goals. Um, and so <clears throat> I, always tell, I always tell moms when I'm coaching them, when you're creating a goal, create a realistic, I'm sorry, not a goal, a plan. When you're creating a plan, create a realistic plan. Don't tell me that you're going to work out six days a week. Because it is unrealistic for a mother. Mm-hmm. We could barely mm-hmm. sometimes even go to the bathroom. 
So, mm. you know, sometimes I'm waiting all day for my husband mm. to come home just so I can go to the bathroom in peace. Uh. <laughs> you know? Otherwise, I have kids in the bathroom with me or they're knocking on the door. So if you know that you can't, you're not at a place, let's say you have small children, you're not at a place that you can get away that long, what is realistic for you? And so that, I think, is what helps a person be disciplined because then you really are starting to think, mm. what is it that I can really truly accomplish with my situation right now? Not all moms are the same. Some moms are married with a lot of help from their partner. Some are married with no help from the partner. Mm. You know, some are single. And some are, are, are in, you know, much more difficult situations where financially maybe it's impossible for them to go to a gym because they can't afford it. Um, mm. They don't have daycare to put, to put their kids in so they can go, you know, for a walk or to go for um, a workout or anything like that. So those are the things that I really... I want to say focus on is what is realistically what is realistically something that you can do and i give them my example um i tell them right now all i can do is work out twice a week for 15 minutes that is literally all, all i can put in because i have mm. so many other things going on that anything more than that just overwhelms me so what i do is on the two days that my child does go to school my older as I'm dropping her off, I take her in my running, my running stroller. So I run to her, to her little uh, school, and then I run back. That's about 15 minutes. And then I come back sweaty, I shower, and then I just get on my, with my day with the cleaning and everything and, and preparing for work and stuff like that. So that is what is realistic hmm. for me right now um, because my children are small, and they're very dependent on me. But not all moms have small kids. Some of them have teenagers. And it's just a totally different dynamic. Um, I don't know how old your kids are, if you've already hit the teenage years, but it's a totally different situation. They may not depend on you to dress them, but now all of a sudden you have to constantly watch them or constantly help them with homework, uh, constantly interact in a different way. So it just it's a different dynamic. Um, but I think that's, that is what I think helps the moms is to see that it's something that they can do. Um, I also tell them, you know, don't starve yourself to lose weight. That is like the, mm. the worst thing you can do um, as a mom because you need all the energy that you can get. So we create meal patterns. We, keep, we create times that are appropriate for them to eat. Not all moms wake up at the same time. So not all moms are going to have lunch at the same time. They have, we have this like idea that breakfast, lunch, and dinner is 8, 12, and 6 or 8, 12, and 5, mm. but it doesn't work like that for everybody. Mm -mm. So... Um, we, we talk a lot about that and, and encouragement and support. I think having a support system is, is absolutely paramount for a mom to succeed in her, in her goals and however she wants to, whatever she wants to achieve. Whether she wants to lose weight, wants to be healthy, wants to earn a degree, uh, anything that she wants to do, she needs to have somebody that's there to say, you can do it. Come on, let's go. Go study, go work out, go, uh, you know take care of the things that you need to take care of. Um, so I think a support system is also very important, especially for moms. Yeah, absolutely. And do you consider yourself a disciplined person yourself? Lange? Yes, I, I think I am. I have my moments where I, I, I lose it because it's, it's it, you know, um, we can be disciplined, but sometimes you're just like, oh, today was just not a good day. <laughs> you know, yeah. I didn't follow through all the way. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I'm, I'm quite disciplined. Um, I think my biggest achievement was when I paid off my student loans, my $70,000 mm. student loans. Wow. That felt so nice. And I did it in seven years. So I was very proud of wow. myself. Um, 
but that took a lot of discipline. That took not having a TV at home. That took living in a really, really small space. I lived in, we, my husband and I lived in 400 square feet for the longest time. Wow. With our baby. <laughs> so, wow. um, yeah. That's a hotel it, room. Yeah, it is. It literally, yeah, it is. It is. But I mean, it was, it was doable because we had a goal in mind and we were, we were, we had each other to support each other in, in that goal mm. of paying off those student loans. So, um, I think anyone who is, is disciplined, um, has to have goals and plans and has to really like tick off everything that they're, you know, have set up for themselves, whatever goals they mm. set up, they have to tick the, the boxes. But yeah, the box, um, but yeah. yeah, I also have my days where I'm like totally didn't even, didn't write my goals for the day. I didn't do anything. I tell my husband, sometimes he comes home and I'm like, yeah, today was a bust. It wasn't a good day mm. today. <laughs> I didn't do anything. Happens to all of us. There's some days where I'm so productive, I can't believe it. And there's some days where I'm just, I just don't do a thing. I, I wish, what, I don't know, is it the moon? I, I don't know what, I don't know what it is. Is it what I ate? Is it what I didn't do? Is it sleep? I don't know. But uh, I, if I can nail that down, I may have the secret for everybody. And if I do understand what it is, I promise to share it. Uh, <laughs> what motivates you, Blanca Garcia? Um, well, I, I think, uh, I've always been, uh, I've always been a hard worker. I've always mm. wanted to have my, I've been, I've always been fiercely independent. Um, since I was 12 years old, I was always hustling it. I was always finding ways to make money. Um, mm. so, you know, I was, I would babysit my, my mom's friends, kids. Um, I would sell chocolates um, wherever I could, I would. My, it was really cute. I, now that I remember, um, my mom lent me fourteen as a fourteen or fifteen dollars, so I could go to Sam's Club and buy a box of uh, thirty six chocolates. And then I went and I sold those thirty six chocolates. I gave her her money back. The money I had left over, I went and I bought another box. And then all of that profit I put in, I bought two more boxes. And then like I just, <laughs> that's kind of like wow. I kept it going. Uh, and I was like 12, 13 years old, so I've always been a hustler, and and I've always. Wow. Uh, strived to 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 do more i never wanted to be mm. rich i'm not rich but i just felt like i just wanted to to be independent i wanted to be um hmm. yeah not depend on anyone and, and i just wanted to do my own thing um when i was and, and i and i know where i got this from because when i was 12 years old um my dad my dad is is, is mexican my dad got deported and so my mom was uh left without the support from the home, the financial support. Wow. And so for several years, we really struggled financially. And I told myself, I'm never, ever, ever depending on anyone. And it's just kind of like, it was like a, a switch. And I've been, and it's, it, 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 at first I thought, you know, I'm never going to um, depend on a man and, you know, a little bit more like mm, mm, I'm my own mm, person. Mm. Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but as I, I got older, I, I, I became a little bit more trusting and um, and now, of course, I'm, I'm here in the Netherlands with my mm. husband, but he still sees the fierce independence in me. And he's like, you know, if you don't work, we're OK financially. Like, you don't right. have to work. And I'm like, no, I have to work. Like, I love yeah. working. It, 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 it means that I have a little extra money. So like, if I want to buy earrings, I don't have to ask you for, <laughs> for money. Mm. Um, but I think it's just that 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 need to, to be independent and to um yeah, provide for myself. It's a, it's a source of pride. And I want my girl and my boy, I want them to also be independent and to, to feel prideful that, 
you know, that they made their way through life on their own and, and with their hard work and, and their heart and, and their work ethic. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that is where, where that comes from. Fantastic. Blanca. Thank you so much for your time today. How wonderful to talk to you. Can you tell us how we can get in touch with you? Yeah. So I actually have an Instagram. It's, um, Blanca nutritionist for moms. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook. I have a Facebook group. It's called yes. Nutrition Community for Moms. Um, it's a group just for moms where they can ask nutrition questions and they can feel safe. Um, you can also, yeah. if you have any questions, you can also find me at my email, garcia.blancac at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, in and, and, and any of those ways, you can, you can definitely reach me. Thank and you your so website, Blanca. Yeah, oh, yes. thank you. Your yes, Blan website, Blanca dash. Yes, yes. <laughs> www.blanca-garcia.com. And I actually That's have a right. few articles there that I've written in the last several years. Yeah, I totally forgot. Thank you. For yeah, it's me. a great website. Yeah, it was wonderful talking to you. And uh, I hope one day uh, to get out there to Netherlands. My favorite, uh, you know, national soccer team other than Italy is, you know, Holland, the big, the oh, orange. Okay. And uh, and uh, if I get there, perhaps we can all have a cup of coffee together once this pandemic is over. Yes, let me know. And I'd be more than happy to have you. We live in Nordvike, so it's a nice ah. little uh, beach tourist town. So if you were to come here or I could go to Amsterdam, we'd be happy to have you coffee with you and or have you over at our house and, and you would love it here. It's absolutely lovely. I can't wait. Thank you so much for your time. You, you be well and I hope to talk to you soon. Same to you. Bye now. Bye bye. Thank you for listening and or viewing Joey Pinn's Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode. Our website, www.joeypins.com. There you find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list. Please follow us on all our social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Podcast information, the video version of our podcast is on YouTube. Please subscribe. Audio is on all major podcasting platforms. Please follow them. And if you like it, please consider giving five-star rating. Would really appreciate that. Would you like to financially support the podcast? You can go to our Patreon site. Consider five, ten, or twenty dollars a month. There's all kind of plans that we have there. There's like a one-time payment. What is this podcast episode worth to you? $25, you be the judge. You can go to our PayPal account to do that as well. Thank you again for listening or watching Joey Pinn's Discipline Conversation.